Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're right back to it. Ken and Curtis on WEEI. All right, it is 11 o'clock. Good morning, Gresh. This is Ken and Curtis. No Ken. We have become Trini and Tomasi, who, if you didn't know, back in the day, had a weekend show that I think they did twice together for three years. So Ken will be back, I think, during the football season. So hopefully uh, the next two weeks, you're here next week, back again, and then we'll have a couple more shows, and who the hell knows will be in, but I'm sure he'll be back better than ever. Ken's working hard, doing a bang-up job at the radio station. So... Brian Barrett, in for Ken. I teased it. I don't want to leave people waiting. Ken Laird does not like a non-paid-off tease. Good morning, Danny. Well, good morning. And, I, and I, I'm sacrificing, you know, my boat is calling me, and I'm going to get bad salary area, so. And you know I'm going to go off, Curtis. You know I'm going to go off in this call, so please, you know, if you want to hang up on me, fine. Just do it. That's, you know, who you are sometimes. Well, before, but, before you get I, going, before you, know, you get going, I would just like to say good morning. Good morning, and congratulations on the newborn. Thank okay? you, Danny, and I wish you, you, know I, wish you is... I wish you nothing but smooth sailing. <laughs> and you know that I divide the personal stuff from the sports stuff, right? Right, right because well, Bill's this, a great guy. Know, Carry okay, on. So... <laughs> so, all right, and Brian, what's the matter with you, brother? You going soft on me? What if did I say? If you were by yourself, Brian, you would be all over Tom Brady on this story if you were by yourself, because you got a guy next to you, Papa Curtis, He's softening your tone a little bit because you don't want to argue with him. That's I don't, I don't, feeling. Danny, I, I don't, you, Danny, I don't have okay, an issue. Uh, Danny, hold on. I don't have yeah. an issue that Brady left. I don't. You don't I have an that, issue what? I don't have an issue that Brady left. I've said this on multiple occasions. Danny, let's focus. Let's just get right to you. I I, I know yeah, Brian. Have, let's just focus on this. I know you got voters okay, calling so you. Let's go. the and, the, and one, just, just the, the, the digression, the 41-year-old guy in the city was sitting on aluminum benches watching Steve Grogan. He started three games, four games in 1990. The guy was nine years old, and he was okay, started okay. 12 games. So right. please stop with the aluminum bench talk, all that, right? Okay. Please, well, 41 years old. Three, He's telling me Danny, he was sitting on Danny, aluminum take benches. A, take a okay? Three Pinocchios okay. for him. Yeah, Carry okay, on. we'll get to Tom Brady. Tom Brady was up. You still there? God in heaven, please, Lord, get to your point. All right, Tom Brady is a traitor to the New England Patriots. This story proves my contention that this guy not only checked in 2019 after the leftover defense, 
from the year before that gave the Patriots and Tom Brady a Super Bowl, gave him eight wins, and all they did muster four in the last eight because this puss-faced piece of crap checked out on the team. He was getting paid by the New England Patriots to give it all and his best. You said Troy Brown did that no matter what. Tom Brady is no Troy Brown. Okay, Danny, if I may ask you a simple question, because I'd like to have a back and forth and not scream at the top of our... Danny, I'd ask you a simple question. Tom Brady drove the Patriots down the field at the end of the final regular season game of the 2019 season, threw a 13-yard touchdown pass to James White, giving the team a four-point lead with three and a half minutes to go in the game. Why is it Tom Brady quitting that led them to lose that regular season game that took away the bye week? His mind was, he was divided. He had one foot out the door. Okay, you got to answer the question I just asked you. I don't understand how that manifested itself when he drove the team down the field. Like the the 07 Super Bowl, he should have put up 30. The defense gave up, what, 14 points in that game against Tennessee? And they got the blame for it. You blame. All right, I don't even, I mean, if you can't go back and forth at all, you know, you just want to scream at Brian. You can say he's a puss face and all that stuff. Great. I mean, I, I, I just... Danny is mad. Danny said the future of the Patriots was Jimmy Garoppolo. He wanted Jimmy G, the galloping chicken, over Tom Brady. He sided with Bill over Tom, and he's wrong. So instead of saying, you know, you were wrong, which is clear that Danny was wrong, you attack and you say he never wanted to be here. He had one foot out the door. And then when you're presented with evidence that suggests otherwise, you then just keep pivoting to a different point. Yeah, well, and I think, too, like part of what happened is if you look at the end of that 19 season, by watching Tom Brady, you could have made an assumption, not an assumption, but you could have said, okay, he's probably not going to get back to that elite level that he was at, you know, in the 17 season, 18 season at the end going into the postseason, right? You could say, okay, Brady's not going to be great anymore. But part of the reason you would make that bet was because of the fact that the surrounding talent around Brady at 19 was not good, which made Brady looked like he wasn't the same level of player anymore. And evidence that would be, remember that offseason when Brady entered free agency? There were like three teams interested in him, right? So maybe the league had made that read as well. Oh, totally. He was, he, the, there were not so, teams, people thought he was done. They did not buy in. They agreed with Bill Belichick, by and large. Yes. Yeah, so my, my thing on this is if you look at it in terms of the decision that Bill actually made. Now, the reason he had to make this decision is because he assembled such a bad offensive roster for a couple-year period, and after you lose Gronk, obviously it's a totally different conversation. And Julian Edelman that year, remember, he was on fumes. He was done at the end of the year in terms of from a health perspective. We could tell that he was just completely banged up. So when you add all those pieces together, the reason that Brady looked the way he did at the end of his tenure with the Patriots in 19 was build a roster builder. Because if you had a similar roster to the one you say you had in 16 or 17, what we would find out, because we have the evidence, he went to Tampa and did it, Brady would have been the same player that we saw for the majority of the 2010s. And because the roster was so bad, we didn't see that type of Brady. So from Bill's perspective, it did make sense to move on from him. And with Bill long term, this probably is the better thing for the organization because eventually you get to Mac and the Brady-Belichick relationship was not there anymore. And the roster wasn't going to be good enough for Tom to win a Super Bowl. So I think both those things can be true at the same time. Yeah, and I think, you know, and it's so laughable because it's at least come up with a decent argument. I love arguing. It's my favorite thing to do in the world. But you look at the if there if you were to pick one person in the in the in the couple of Belichick and Brady that had a clear and obvious example of quitting, I have two one on and one off the field with Belichick. I have none with Brady. 
You have Belichick not playing Butler as he's clear as day. I don't know what would happen. I think I would bet everything I have they win that Super Bowl if Butler plays in that second half. The other would be when he traded Jimmy G to, to, to San Francisco and didn't call another team and accepted a second rounder for him. The most valuable asset you had at a time when you could have rebuilt the entire organization with several first-round picks, you call the Sonny your buddy and hand him to him because you want Jimmy G to have a good time because you're butthurt that you were forced to trade him? I mean, those two are indefensible. They're yeah, in- that that was the especially the second one. I, I, I don't think we'll ever know exactly what happened with the Malcolm Butler situation, but I, I mean, I know Ordway has cracked a code. It was a game plan thing. But- <laughs> <laughs> I you know it's so weird. I remember vividly where I was. I was driving in Watertown to Russo's when Glenn Ordway said that on the radio. And I, like, pulled over. I had to just, like, I called Ken. I was like, did this just happen? Did Glenn Ordway just suggest that it was a game plan decision to not have Butler play and cry on the sideline before the game? Yeah. So, okay. And then the other portion of the equation with that is in terms of the Jimmy thing, that to me is just front office malpractice. That is inexcusable. I mean, that's like, not to say it's the same type of player, but that's like Bloom trading Mookie for what he got back in return, Verdugo, Downs, and Wong. That's an atrocious trade because there would have been a market for Jimmy. If you remember back to, it may have been on the morning show, Curtis, when Schefter said they won't trade Jimmy Garoppolo for four first-round draft picks. Remember that? He legitimately said they will not give him up for four first-round draft picks. And... I actually think like people criticize Schefter for that after. I actually think the reporting at the time was accurate. Because oh, totally. Bill didn't want to move on from Jimmy. He wanted to move on from Tom. So just the idea that that deal was out there, we know that Cleveland offered their first. Cleveland was willing to give up their first-round pick. Yep, for, Mary Kay Cabot reported yeah, that. Yeah, that was rep- in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. So that was reported at the time. And the fact that he just traded him to Kyle Shanahan, it feels like that to me was more of an ego move from Bill's perspective to say, hey, I want to send him somewhere where I know he can look good, right? So I respect Kyle Shanahan as an offensive play caller. I obviously love his father because he stuck up for me during Spygate. He said, I wish I had thought of that, right? So he sent him to a place where he thought the player could thrive so it would look bad for his boss, Robert Kraft, when Jimmy Garoppolo plays at a high level. And I will also give credit to Belichick in that in 2014, the drafting of Jimmy G was the best decision he made because it brought a different gear from Brady. He hit that stage. He had been a decade since the Super Bowl win, and they draft Jimmy G, and he has won every other Super Bowl since they drafted Jimmy G in 2014. Pretty amazing. Uh, Dave, Connecticut, talking about the uh, Patriots and uh, Belichick and Brady. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Hey, good morning, Chris, Brian. Hey, every time I come on your show, I'm after the drunk guy from New Hampshire. I've noticed that. <laughs> but, 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 but anyway, there's a couple of points I'd like to make if you just listen for a second. I, with, the Bel- with the Belichick thing in, in Kraft, Kraft, when you ask that guy the question, does he regret it? He regrets that decision letting Brady go every second of every minute of every day of the year. He, now he's not the guy when he comes into the country club, he gets his you know, championship team. Now, I mean, he's, he regrets it every day, and he should have stepped in and said, Tom, he'd give him two more years for $50 million. I mean, he was worth it. Even if he didn't win another game, what he did for New England, my God. But, but he regrets that every day. And to me, Belichick's losing it, and I'll tell you why. When you look at what he did this year in the draft, he picked up an offensive lineman when we need defense. He needed one of those linebackers that was on the board. Instead, he has to replace a guy, an all-pro guy, that he let go in the first round. So what, just what sense does that make? I'd just like to know if you guys have a comment on that. Yeah, Dave, I, I honestly, I don't, um, the draft was bizarre to me. It didn't make sense, but, you know, I 
I, I hesitate to do like this all in, like he's an idiot and he's forgotten everything about developing players and scouting players. What concerns me is the amount of people that have left the organization, either from scouting or coaching, on field or off, that he hasn't replaced with people of similar stature in the game. I mean, you have Al Groh's kid who's running your scouting department. You have, uh, you know, you lose Ziegler. You lose Casario the year before. You lose, I don't even know, Wolf, that get, the get kid. Is he with them now or did he leave? The, no, uh, he's still there. L.A. So, Wolf, yeah. So you have Al Groh's kid and Ron Wolf's nephew. <laughs> so you basically have these people that have just been in well, the game. Like Skarnecki, yeah, you got essentially now we're finding out that it looks like Patricia's going to be the play caller. So that means Billy Yates is the offensive line coach. Right. Relatively so, young guy. It, but you. The the element of this is that that I think Dave was correct on, which is Belichick is providing a very good service to the Kraft family right now, where he is getting all the slings and arrows. When somebody complains about the right. draft, when they complain about the coaching staff, they don't say, hey, Robert, why aren't you paying more for your coaches? They're saying, why is Bill being so power hungry, which has enabled Robert Kraft to do the one opportunity he did where he answered questions and spoke to the fans in March at the owners' meetings where Robert Kraft tried to sound like a fan. And I didn't think this at the time. We played it live on the Greg Hill Show. And I said, wow, that is, you know, Belichick might be in trouble. Yeah, Chris Gasper and others speculated and surmised after that it was performative, where it was him sounding like a fan, sort of like when he said he was going to stand with Brady and then he capitulated to Goodell right after this was a situation where maybe he was doing that because the second Belichick is gone, nobody's talking about whoever the new coach is in terms of the pressure on them. All the eyes of the Boston sports media and the Boston sports fan directly go to the owner's box. Yeah, and I think that Bill actually likes having this now. Like, this whole idea, I don't know people pointed to, like, remember, like, the whole Shaq and Kobe back and forth when Shaq left and he's like, ask Kobe how my ass tastes, like, all this. I don't think, like, Bill is that upset that Tom won the Super Bowl. I really don't. I think now Bill just wants to get back to that point where he can win this, have an opportunity, try to make a run in the coming seasons, Curtis. And I think part of it was Bill is now it's his team again, right? Because for a decade it felt like there was a push and pull between him and Tom, the whole Guerrero situation. And obviously, whatever you think of it either way, Bill didn't like it, right? He wasn't comfortable with Tom having that much power within the organization. So I feel like that's part of the reason that Bill's rejuvenated is it's completely his. I mean, the coaching staff is the biggest evidence of all that. All he hires are his kids and his friends. That's it. Or people that he knows that are his friends' kids, like, for example, and Elliot Wolf's done a good job here, but he brings it Elliot Wolf, right? So he's looking at all these guys that he has previous relationships with or they played for him, and he's completely got all the power in this situation. And now that McDaniels is gone, I would even I would argue he's even got more power. Not that Josh had power over Bill or anything along those lines, but now he has, like, it doesn't make sense for Bill to be like, yeah, I'm going to be heavily involved in the offense. Now he's heavily involved in the offense, too. It's not just Josh. So he's got more control, in my mind, than he's ever had in the history since, like, I would say pre-2007-ish. Is like when it was completely Bill's thing, and then after that, Brady kind of took over when he threw for 50 touchdown passes. But ever since that point, Bill has not had nearly the power he did at the beginning when he was coming off the three and four years. No, and it's it's just – it is terrifying for me, if I'm a Patriots fan, that he has got absolute power over everything. And if you look at the history, everybody craps on the Belichick coaching tree, right? 
You don't have any wins. They leave, and the Patriots' way doesn't travel. That was an old saying. Well, we are about 34 games away from saying, well, the Patriots' way was just Tom Brady because Belichick looks just like Billy O'Brien in Houston who got to the playoffs but never did anything. Or he, he looks like Brian Flores in Miami. Or he looks like Romeo Cornell with the Browns or Mangini with the Jets. He looks like all these other coaches that yeah. left and had a little success, maybe had a little whatever, but they didn't win anything because it was all about 12. And that is something I don't think Bill Belichick has a negative relationship with Tom Brady. I don't. I The, the issue that was so clear October 3rd when Brady returned with the Bucks on that Sunday night, where Kraft is at midfield looking for Tom, and then he demands the camera crew come and meet him in the like weird vent visitors locker room right. area inside with Drew Brees, and it was the wedding that's coming up. You had Brady not thank the Patriots, and I do think Allison from Cambridge raised a good point where the collateral damage of this dispute from Brady's end has been hitting the fans and sticking, and I don't think that's been his intent. But it has when he's he's pissed at Kraft. Right. And so he says, I'm not going to thank the Patriots. Whereas if you just thank the Patriots fans, it's the same thing can be said. Yeah. So I understand it's been clunky in that regard. But, and I think, too, like part of that is if you look at Brady and compare it with the relationship between the two parties. So Brady understood what Bill was doing right now, even if he didn't disagree with it because it's himself. He understands how Bill is pragmatic, and Brady saw him do that with players throughout the years where he got rid of them a year early rather than a year too late. That was the cliche as it pertains to the Belichick model, if you will. So he could understand that. His father even said it was going to end ugly with Belichick. He said that on multiple occasions. And so, he said flaming liar about Goodell, and he was right. Yeah. So so I think Bill, I think Tom, rather, can understand where Bill's coming from, even if he disagrees with it. But with Robert, that's the conversation, right? Because Robert, as the owner of the team, has the power to say, Bill, if you don't want to sign Tom to what he wants to for 50, whatever it is, then you know what? You're done. You're not coaching the team anymore. And I think what Brady really thought was that when it came down to an argument between Bill and himself, that Robert would side with Brady. And now this time, Robert sided with Bill, not Tom, and Robert. And especially considering that they had negotiated all their contracts together. And the other part of that is Robert disparaged Tom when he left. Robert tried to make Tom look like the bad guy right. when he's calling up Stephen A. Smith on first take to tell him that Tom would have been here if he wanted to be. So I think that Porsche, that Stephen A. Smith thing is kind of an underrated story in all this of why Brady has this, it seems like, more, I don't want to say hate, but more anger directed at Kraft rather than Bill. I mean, because it feels like Bill and Tom are cool now. I mean, how many times, like, after they had that conversation on October 3rd, Curtis, he brought up Bill multiple times. He referenced Bill just like randomly in terms of stuff like all the time now. So I think that relationship is fine. Yeah, I think that, as I've said all along, Bill Belichick will introduce Tom Brady and Canton. And sneaky little thing, if uh, earlier we played the dumbest audio of the day, which was Colin Coward saying that Belichick's in his final year. However, I believe this is Brady's final year. So if Brady concludes the season and retires and Belichick retires, look at that. What a weekend at Canton, Ohio. Belichick and Brady enshrined together at the uh, Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. What a weekend that would be. So uh, we could have you a couldn't... full week of shows doing, is it Brady and Bill live from Canton? I mean, you couldn't do that, right? Like, you can't have those two guys in the same one. Uh, I don't know. It's well, too big. Like, uh, Belichick needs his, like, to be, like, the headliner by himself, and so does Tom. Like, 
I almost feel bad like the the Manning year when like Charles Woodson, who's like one of the great defensive players of his generation, like is in the same class as those guys. Like Brady should just be like his own thing. Like it should be the Brady day and then the rest of the Hall of Fame inductees. But it would be safer than the Ray Lewis enshrinement weekend, which probably was a little <laughs> dangerous in Canton, Ohio. Uh, we have uh, Owen and others on the line, 617-779-7937. We'll continue with your calls. And I have a question for you, Brian, and everybody listening. What is a successful season for the Patriots this year? Record? What has to happen? We'll get to your thoughts on all that coming up next. Crash and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Running now on WEI and WEI.com. The Sox beat the Royals 7-4 last night. Xander Bogarts 4-5. for five. Alex Verdugo hit safely three times. Josh Winkowski went five. He gave up one earn. The Sox and the Royals play the third of their four-game set tonight. 7-10 first pitch across the Shaws and Star Market. WEI Red Sox Network. Shaws and Star Market perfecting the art of fresh. Tune into the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 6-10. That's sponsored by um, the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. We have breaking Brian Barrett news that just came on oh. Twitter. I mean, what what in the hell? This is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Chad Finn, breaking. Brian Barrett has done an excellent job at EEI. Oh, we gotta, we'll tease this, I guess. We'll tease what's going on. But we have breaking Brian Barrett news as I'm sitting here working with Brian Barrett. We'll get to it next. That's what's <laughs> trading now on WEI and WEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Back to it, Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Ken 
I don't know. How long have we been working together, Brian? 19, maybe, since 19? Yeah. First so. show I think I did was that Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. Got it. Got it. So, uh, Brian Barrett is a, I, I mean this sincerely, the hardest working on-air personality at WEEI. Does every shift. Ken was beside himself yesterday. I might have been tipped off. I didn't know what was happening, but. I heard that you had uh, let him know that you're given two weeks. I didn't want to ask you about it. It's not my business to inquire, but uh, I am so thrilled for you. Hard work pays off. And uh, what is the news? Where Where are you heading and what happened? So I signed with Spotify and The Ringer. All right. Yep. Bill Simmons Company. So I'll be launching a pod, uh, Boston-based podcast for Ooh. them. I mean, that is awesome. I uh, cannot wait. Are you going to work with Rosillo at all? Yes. So, uh, full circle, not to make this about me, but what the hell. Uh, my the I worked for Ryan at 1510 interning uh, for two summers, and he was awesome, remains awesome, one of the most talented people out there. So that is excellent. Very happy for you. You'll fit right in there. They are uh, they, they love their, their nuts and bolts. You're the stat guy, and... It is just an awesome, awesome uh, reward for all the work you put into this. So I can't be happier for you. Yeah, it. I'm very excited to get started. I cannot wait to get going. But I do want to thank everybody here, especially uh, Ken, yeah. you, Curtis. I appreciate uh, it. No. I wouldn't have had the opportunity if it wasn't for Ken and everything here at EI. So. Well, uh, I'm happy for you. You have to work with me again next Saturday. So, you know, <laughs> and you have one job. Get Bill Simmons on the show, and then, I'm, then I'll be happy forever. But, no, uh, happy for you, Brian. Excellent. Uh, so that's where you, I'm sure... You'll be able to find that wherever podcasts are. You'll be able to get uh, Brian Barrett's Spotify podcast with The Ringer. So congratulations, my friend. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. Let's get back to the uh, the nitty-gritty here. Owen, how are you? Okay. How are you doing? Excellent. Well, just the guys keep on whining about Brady and Belichick. And I'm thinking, I'm so glad. Nothing against Brady, but it's so good that he, we moved on. We got a new quarterback. That's what we needed. I'm glad he won in Tampa. But this, though, they should have kept them in this and that. The only thing I do agree is that they should have gave him more weapons. But the fact that 2019 was his last year, I think that was the best way to do it. The guy was 40-41. You know, just move on and let it go with that. Wait, so you're happy they moved on and that they went and got Cam Newton? Nope. I'm talking about a new quarterback in Mac Jones, not Cam Newton. Who would you rather have quarterback? Your, who would you rather? Who would you rather have quarterback your team this year? Mac Jones or Tom Brady at the at their current age? See, that's that question doesn't make any sense because of he's course 40, it does. 41. He's still playing. It's now forty five. Right. What? He's still playing. It doesn't make any. It, but you can't keep a guy forever. You have to move on. Why? Get new players. Get younger. Get younger. Just like the Red Sox. Oh, they got to keep Bogart. So get a younger guy. Get get some not the crap that Bloom's getting, but get you know. Some more talent and get a young guy like Mac Jones. I can't wait to see him develop. Okay, I, yeah, that's just so idiotic. Why wouldn't you want? It, 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 with the benefit of hindsight, who wouldn't say that? He was the runner-up to the MVP last year at forty-four. Yeah, it's a rough take. I don't even understand it. Uh, we totally lost Brian. He's totally Spotified it out over there. Let's go to bed in the car. <laughs> Sorry. How you Hey, how are you guys doing? Excellent. I'm. I just want to talk about the Patriots' record next season. I love it. What do you think? What do you guys? I. I'm thinking we might. We're gonna have a losing season, but I think I'm looking at it right now. We might get at least five games, and I think Bill might get us one or two because he's Bill and he 
his coaching is better than other coaching. Yep. But I think max seven or eight games. I don't think we're going to be in the playoffs at all. We have no chance of being a wild card team. And I think we're going to be bottom, maybe bottom of the division. Yeah, Ben, I, I think the biggest issue for the Patriots this year isn't so much what they did. It's what the teams around them did. It's the fact that the AFC exactly. has become, you know, the only hope you have about maybe getting a shot at the wild card is that the AFC West will just eat their own because that's probably the best division I can remember following the NFL when it comes to at least quarterbacks. I mean, absolutely insane. I think the Patriots are going to go 9-8, and eight, so a one-game decrease from last year. Missed the playoffs, but for me, a successful season if he's, is if Mac is able to win despite or improve despite the chaos around him. What do you think about the Jets? The what do you think about the Jets games that we have? Do you think we'll win them or lose them? No, I do not think. I, I heard that they are every year, Ben, two teams that deserve zero media coverage get an exorbitant amount of it because of where they play, not who's on their team. And it's the Knicks in basketball and the Jets in football. The Knicks and the Jets suck. They have always sucked. I don't care. They're going to have to prove to me that they don't suck. But I don't believe Zach Wilson is a guy. I'd much rather have Mac Jones. I don't care that he went second or third, whatever it was. And I know that they've had a quote-unquote great offseason. But, Ben, how many times did Rex Ryan win, quote, the offseason with the Jets only to fall on their face the next year? Yeah, that's true. I, I think the Dolphins will give us a closer run for our money, but you make a good point about the Jets. Yeah. All right, Ben, have a great day, buddy. Um, I, yeah, I can't I, – I, I've also seen – I mean, maybe because Rich Eisen craps on Ken, so I like his show from time to time. But uh, they he's this huge Jets fan. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I My whole life I've been told about the Jets, and this is their year. They're turning things around. I, I think, first of all – the, the AFC East is is good, much better than it's been even when Brady was here. Yeah. So it's a tougher division to to climb out of. And maybe the Jets are closer to the Patriots than they've been in a while. Okay. But what does that mean? Yeah, I can't see it. Unless, like, Zach Wilson really is nothing like the guy we saw last year. And we see guys take year two jumps all the time. I just He was awful. He was horrible. He was arguably the worst quarterback in the league last season. I never trust the infrastructure of that organization either. But I do think your point it could happen with the Patriots. Mac has a better season, but the record's worse just because of the defense. But I also I don't agree with this whole sentiment that, and I know it's been on the morning show a lot too, that Mac could take a step back. I don't see how that happens. Now, if you want to try to convince me there's an argument for Mac not taking a huge leap forward, I could entertain that just based on the personnel, et cetera. But in terms of guys in their second year taking a step back, it's very rare that we see that. Uh, saying that if you had a good rookie year, right, most quarterbacks that have a good rookie year take at least a step forward in year two. The only two guys that I can remember that went backwards were Baker Mayfield and Robert Griffin III, statistically and obviously with the eye test. And both those guys had character issues. We know about Baker. And with Robert Griffin III, he went into Daniel Snyder's office and he said, hey, I want Mike and Kyle to take all these plays out of the offense where I'm in the pistol running, which made him the most effective that he ever was as a rookie, where he won the rookie of the year over Andrew Luck. So the press Didn't they go to the playoffs as rookie year? Yeah, they lost to Seattle. That's where he hurt his knee against the Seahawks in that postseason game at, in the awful turf at FedEx Field. But that's my point is year two, he took the step back. 
Baker Mayfield, year two, he took the step back. Well, it's, it's also the Heisman winner never does anything in the NFL. But anyway, there are some, but that But that's my point. It's just that those guys rarely take a step back. Those are the only two scenarios. Everybody gets at least a little bit better. Now, are you going to have a burrow leap? Probably not to that level, right? But, like, Justin Herbert was better in year two than he was in year one. You could even say Brady was similar in that in year two as a starter, year three in the league. But if we're just doing year starting, year two for Brady starting, they went from 11-5 and five to 9-7, and seven, missed the playoffs. But... You could argue, you know, he and was he led the league better. in touchdown passes that right. season, right? Exactly. So I, I can't envision a way that Mac takes a step backwards. Like I, I know the Pro Football Focus, Sam Monson wrote about that too. That Mac doesn't improve in year two. I just don't see how that's remotely possible based on everything we know about the player. And the other thing, Curtis, too, is like people poo-poo the stuff about, oh, he was working with the receivers in the off season. He got into better shape. Well, I understand that is basic stuff, but. We would all acknowledge that that's stuff that needed to happen. Mac looked dead at the end of the season last year. He needed to get into better shape. He needed to try to improve his arm strength. He goes and he works with Tom House. Right. So I think if you're trying to look at it and say, is he checking all the boxes? He clearly is. Yeah, and I, you know, we just mentioned Sam Monson. He just got back to me. Uh, he's joining us at noon. Oh, to, nice. To talk about, uh, I know you said Andy Hart hates PFF. I don't know. I mean, they seem to put their uh, their time in. They 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 are statistically driven empirical data using and we will see what he has to say when he joins us at noon but yeah i you know i think the ceiling for this team is 10 and 7 from where they were like doing the exact same thing as last year and it's not again it's not an indictment on the patriots the division is absurd the bills were great i mean they were an uh, otherworldly last second comeback from patrick mahomes away from going to the AFC Championship game, I think the Bills would have beaten the Bengals and they would have been in the Super Bowl. I don't know if they beat the Rams or not, but either way, they add Von Miller. That team is ready-made for... Yeah, it's a wagon. So That's like Patriots circa, like from a roster-building perspective. There's nobody close to them in division. Correct. And you have you went 1-1 one and one last year in the regular season against them, but the one win was in Buffalo with the craziest weather scene. I don't anticipate that this year, so... Listen, stranger things have happened, but to me, 9-8 and eight and Mac improves despite what's around him is a successful season. This is not going to be an overnight rebuild, and no Colin Coward, this is not Bill Belichick's final year with the Patriots. So, no, that, I mean, that's that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. The cowherd take that he's going to retire after the season. So, so quickly, if, go if ahead. he's on to something, he's going to keep going. Of course. So uh, we did this early in the show around 9 o'clock. Once again, Ken and Curtis. Ken is driving up to Canada. Uh, I am in with Brian Barrett, who is leaving us to go to the, the ringer. I'm just being abandoned at every turn. So maybe it's me. Who knows? But the uh, I did a poll earlier in the show. The Red Sox and the Patriots both won their last title in 2018 which is a drought, which is kind of funny considering the success we've had the last 20 years. Simple question, who wins their next title first? 58% say the Patriots, which means 42% say the Red Sox, which to me, somewhat interesting. Because when you hear people call into this radio station, you would think that the Patriots are the greatest franchise in the history of sports and the Red Sox are the bad news bears. And partially it's due to the fact that in baseball, if you so choose, there is no punitive measure other than tax to spend and get whatever you want but i i side with the voters on that i think the patriots get it next just because the red sox are in such a dysfunctional period and there is the potential that heimblum just doesn't know what he's doing there's definitely that element based on everything that transpired this week i mean (laughs) it was it was all can you go over how bad this week was for the red yeah it was an embarrassing look for the organization so you had the vasquez trade but when they traded christian vasquez curtis 
no member, I'm not saying just Hein Bloom, no member of the front office was there. So Vasquez is talking to Alex Cora, and Cora is like informing him that, hey, something may happen. Like you may get traded. It feels like it's going that way. So it's not Cora's job to tell the guy to not go on the field. Vasquez says, hey, can I go out with the guys? Since the manager of the team's like, yeah, go ahead and do it. So then he goes out on the field. He's like taking batting practice. We're finding out the news when he's on the field. He's finding out the news that he's on the field. He's running over to Bogarts. He's running over to Matt Barnes. And then when he's walking in, you are getting traded to the team that you're playing. So you have the Astros there and the Astros media there and the Red Sox and the Red Sox media there. So everybody's gathered around Christian Vasquez asking him questions. What if somebody there from the front office or somebody from a PR perspective would have said, hey, he shouldn't be going out on the field. It was just a horrible look for the organization. And then to piggyback off that, how often is it that after a trading deadline? Okay, so first of all, Bogarts called out the front office when he was asked, or what do you think about the direction of the team you're trying to win? He says, well, we didn't get better getting rid of Vasky, right? I mean, that, to paraphrase Bogarts' quote. But anyway, you needed a guy running the organization, Heim Bloom, to say, hey, I'm going to go to Kansas City, guys. If you want to talk to me, I'm going to have an open-door policy. Because nobody in the room knows the direction because they didn't really pick a direction. They traded Vasquez. They got a pair of prospects. Okay. But then they, and Hosmer fell in their lap. He deserves no credit for that whatsoever. They just needed to get rid of the contract at San Diego. The Patriot, uh, excuse me, the Red Sox are paying none of that. Basically they're paying nothing for Eric Hosmer. They picked up a outfielder in Tommy Pham. They got Reese McGuire who got caught pulling the goalie in his own car. Remember got, arrested for that that whole unfortunate error of judgment yeah so that whole situation is like okay so you kind of bought and you kind of sold and that's why the team is like you didn't really pick a direction and if you were going to go with okay let's try to improve the team well you didn't add a reliever and the bullpen absolutely sucks so if you were going to do these things and try to improve the team right now you should have gone harder after trying to do that instead of essentially what they did is they stayed pat and added a couple of guys and subtracted Vasquez who they weren't going to sign long term anyway. So they really didn't do much at the trading deadline. They didn't pick a direction. And for the Hein Bloom situation, that's why I think you can look at it and say he may ne- he may have no idea what he's doing. And I think what happened, Curtis, is a power struggle was won by Alex Cora and the players. Because how long have we heard them taking shots at Bloom? saying we need JD said it Bogart said it at the all-star game we need help and they didn't get maybe the help that they wanted but they didn't get rid of these guys remember JD said last Sunday I hope this makes it hard on Heim legitimately a player said that about the front office right. I mean it does in some ways and I know Cora referenced it not to say that this team accomplished what they did but it does sort of remind me of like the Jerry Krause situation where the players didn't like the guy running the team at all it feels like there's that type of vibe yeah, or with the major players. league the first one you oh know? yeah yeah uh, but yeah I mean I think the thing that frustrates me the most about the Red Sox this week was twofold one I I agree with you I said on the Greg Hill show that it's my belief that the reaction to the Vasquez trade precluded Heim from finishing what he wanted to do prior to the trade deadline, which was move Uvalde, move JD, move, you know, whatever other parts that were speculated to be dealt. Right. The reaction by the by the players, by Xander really specifically, saying that we didn't get better, I don't know what's going on here, where's the direction of the organization. You had the Buster only re- uh, report that the similar things that the players were disenchanted with the front office. So that's first and foremost, which is a concern, right? Either you hire Heim to do a job and you allow him to do it, or you don't. You can't be half pregnant. So you either 
this is what we're doing. We're buying in. We're going to, it's a, you know, I'm sure when Heim was hired by John Henry, he made it clear the pain that was involved in completing what he believed to be a necessary rebuild of the farm system. So either allow him to do that and then you fire him if it doesn't work or get someone else to do it. And the way that they sent this, like, it was hilarious. So um, leading into Thursday, so the deadline was Tuesday, Wednesday evening the stories circulate that Haim is heading to Kansas City for an open-door policy, whatever. The next morning, Brian O'Halloran on the front office report on the Greg Hill Show tells us that these trips are planned long in advance and there's nothing to this. When the organization was the entity that made a big deal about Heim being sent to Kansas City right. to address the issues in the clubhouse. Yeah. So well, you can't even stick to a script. Yeah, well, Anaheim's very bad at handling these things. Remember when he came on your guys' show and he said that it upsets him more when he misses on an under-the-radar guy than letting Kyle Schwarber go. Like, he doesn't know how to handle the Boston media. He's very bad at it. I mean, that's been abundantly clear. And this isn't normal. How many other teams needed to have their executive address players because they didn't know the direction of the organization, buyers or sellers, right? Like the Yankees, for example, they're the best team in baseball record-wise. They didn't need Brian Cashman to tell them what they were doing. They got Frankie Montas, right? Even these teams that were selling off parts. The Washington Nationals, the players in that clubhouse, they don't need to hear from Mike Rizzo that they're selling. Everybody knows what they're doing. With the Red Sox, nobody in the clubhouse has any freaking idea what they're doing. And with Heim Bloom, now what worries me about him is even if I disagreed with a lot of the moves, and I pretty much disagree with the majority of the moves he's made, now it looks like the guy has no balls. Because he completely caved. Because don't you think, like, his whole thing about long-term sustainability, the the pragmatic approach for him based on where the team's at right now, wouldn't it have been trade Nate, trade JD? Oh, totally. So, like, from him, that would have been what he would have liked to do, I would think. And he didn't do it because he caved to the pressure of the players and the manager. Right. And it's, it's not so much, you know, when you were in school and you had to show your work and it was a pain in the ass, but it was a, it was a, a tool that the teacher used so that if the final answer was incorrect, but your thought process was, has, was as it should have been and it was just an error of calculation or whatever, you got half credit. Yeah. So it's not so much the end result of the trade deadline because, you know, certain, some deals they make are the ones you never do, all that, right? It's the apparatus that failed so miserably. You began your commentary just now on the week that was with the Red Sox with the manner in which Vasquez found out he was dealt. Mm -hmm. If you can't even figure that element out, which is to prevent a player from being embarrassed, from being placed in a position where they are going to have to answer questions and deal with things in an unseemly way, if you can't ma- master that simple thing, because the way that Brian O'Halloran was describing it to us, it was, you know, we had a Zoom set up and this was going to be here. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, if you can't even, if this guy is on the block and you're currently in negotiations with the team 90 feet away from you, <laughs> just keep them in the clubhouse until yeah. 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock central. And then you figure it out. Yeah, and like I say, I can't put that on the manager. What's the manager supposed to do? Oh, no, of course. He, there's nothing Core can do about that. He wants to go hang out with his guys. He does, Cora do you does, think Aaron Boone was in charge of trying to organize how they were going to inform Yankees players should they yeah. have dealt them? Of course not. <laughs> Aaron Boone was probably like, hey, Gal, please get on the field. Right. <laughs> please get out there so everybody can see you. Actually, here's an Astros jersey. Just put it on. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it just, you know, it's unfortunate because you look at this organization you look at the money they are spending. You can't say they're not spending this year. They got over $200 million allocated to the on-field product, and it just seems like it is being operated but, 
Yeah, but even that, Curtis, so they, they go over the tax, right? So when you went over the tax in the offseason with the story deal, why didn't you go more all-in with the team? Like, you should have gone after more premium relievers than you did. Or, say, Carlos Rodon, who's now with the Giants, and this is not me second-guessing, I said at the time, high upside guy, huge strikeout guy, go sign him, and they weren't interested in him. They didn't go after a guy like Carlos Rodon. So if you are going to pay that premium, why wouldn't you add more players? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense, but you know what does make sense? That Brian Barrett has gotten a great opportunity at the ringer because of all the hard work he's put in here. And we have Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus. He's from Britain at noon. I actually lived there. I've only said it 500 times. And coming up next, I want to do a brief diversion into the disaster that is the Deshaun Watson situation. We'll do that briefly here next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. This is Ken and Curtis on WEEI. I ask each of the clients to, to weigh in. I try to talk to each one to say, what, were your, what are your thoughts on, the, on what happened? I'm just going to read to you a few things that was said to me. Six games even is, isn't even a slap on the wrist. It's a kiss on the cheek. They did not really investigate because they did not care. They investigated, to the extent you call it that, to save face. They don't care if women or people are abused. One of the women said, this slap on the wrist for him is a slap on the face to us. Another said, it's been made clear to me. The NFL, with regard to myself, my family, and all these women and our children, do not matter. We do not matter to the NFL. Well, this is a crappy story because you have that loathsome Tony Busby right there who is profiting off of the pain of others, but uh, he's the attorney representing the alleged victims of Deshaun Watson's misconduct. And this week, the NFL's independent judge ruled that Watson should get a six-game suspension. Watson accepted that, which in hindsight looks silly because... By accepting and not appealing the ruling, they now are forced to be out weeks one through six of the upcoming season. So I don't know exactly how it would have manifested itself had they not done that, but my guess is that they could have done the Brady. Actually, I don't know. Either way, he's out for weeks one through six no matter what happens. The NFL appealed the ruling. So now there will be a judgment of a, I don't even know where it goes. So they, they appointed this guy from a law firm in the Bronx who will be the, the uh, arbiter 
of whether or not the NFL successfully appeals the six-game suspension, which is all a fraud because it's, it's all an inside job. Now, there are two sides to this. One, I, I find Deshaun Watson to be a detestable person in all of this. It's just a um, utilizing your power in a way with a random Instagram masseuse that is unseemly at best and, you know, alleged rape at worst. But I am rooting for the NFLPA to grow a backbone at some point. You know what's crazy? You know, Brian, you watch these um, the co- training camp coverage on NFL Network. They go from camp to camp to camp. And they're all in pads and then not in pads. And the first week, they're not allowed to be in pads. Because that's what these NFL players fight for in negotiations when there's a new CBA. Mm-hmm. They fight over how many days they can wear pads, not how much power the commissioner has. Like... It's an old saying, but it's true. They catch the ants, they miss the elephants. The NFL players have been uh, just taken advantage of for decades, and it's not changed. Well, so yeah. they're powerless in this situation, and they have only themselves to blame. And to your point about that, that's like when the owners hear that from the players, like, hey, we want less padded practice, they're like, okay, this is perfect. We're going to be able to handle this CBA pretty damn easily. If that's if that's what you're fighting for, that's the stuff you guys are fighting for, we're good with that. But the other thing is, I just wonder, so... When the NFL comes back with its new suspension for Deshaun Watson, couldn't this be like a Brady situation where they appeal again? Right, but he's already accepted the first six games. So does that mean no matter what he has to accept the the rest of the? No, he'll he'll be out the work weeks oh, one through for, six. Okay, okay, I so see your the, point. it's only relevant for me because the Patriots right, play them week six. Week six. Yeah. So at first I was like, oh, I wonder if this is bad news for Patriots fans because. He may have the Brady, you know, play the whole season and then miss the first four games of 2016 type of scenario. So my hunch would be that it's more likely that he's suspended for the entirety of the 2023 season than the 2022 season. So he's going to serve the six games and then his team will file an appeal. Right. And then it's going to take a while for that appeal to be heard. So isn't he going to be able to play? So. I mean, I'm just thinking about no, it from I, a legal perspective. I, 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 I don't know, but I do also know that if, if Deshaun Watson misses game, what I what I think is going to happen here is that you're going to see them meet at 12, that he will accept another six games, and then they will remove it from the appeal. It'll be over because he doesn't want to miss any games next season, which is when he makes 40-plus million dollars. This year he's making a million of on-field payment. So if he misses 12 games this year, he loses out on roughly three-quarters of a million dollars. If he misses 12 games next season, he misses out on over $30 million. So the NFL has him over a barrel. They will, you know, and listen, it's not a guy that I defend. I mean, I don't, this has nothing to do with Deshaun Watson. I know it's difficult to remove the person from the situation, but it was interesting to me to see their approach which was to immediately go out guns blazing about the Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, and what Jim Irsay, and what all, like, because it is so incredibly fraudulent that Goodell said publicly, we hold the owners to a higher standard than the players, yet they never held them to the same account. And it's because he works for them, but I'm just a pathetic addict with the NFL, and I'll well, watch it and I'll enjoy it, but it is a, it's it's run by just One of my people. biggest issues with it, I mean, there's a lot of issues with it, but this guy, in all likelihood, is a predator. And we had a situation where he has taken no accountability for it whatsoever. No accountability for it whatsoever. When The opposite. The, yeah, when the ruling comes down and part of it is he can only see team-appointed masseuses. First of all, I don't know what team masseuse is going to want to work with this guy. I mean, how could you want to work with him? But anyway, I'm sure other people are going to have to be in the room for Deshaun Watson to get a massage nowadays. But basically what she was pointing out is this guy has a serious problem. 
and he still acts like he did nothing wrong. Like there's no remorse with this guy whatsoever. Right. No remorse with him. No. Even even Ben Roethlisberger found God, you know, shortly after the Milledgeville, Georgia incident. But yeah, it is a uh, it's an odd situation. So uh, if you want to weigh in on this, we're going to get to Sam Monson at the top of the hour. Before then, we're going to check in back in the car with Jim. Good morning, Jim. How are you today? Good morning, Curtis, and uh, congratulations on fatherhood. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's an awesome phase of life. Uh, two things. Um, I regularly hear about this Garoppolo trade, and you know, I, I certainly think the Patriots didn't get as much as they could for him, but not for the reasons that people say. And, and the reason I say that is that you know, if Garoppolo had a year or two left on his contract – then he would be incredibly valuable in a trade. But at the time that they traded him, if I'm not mistaken, it was less than half of a season that he had left with no guarantee that he would remain with the the team that traded him. Right. But, I mean, so you began your call with basically my point that they, of course, didn't get fair market value, which is your job as the person in charge of the roster. I I agree they didn't get fair market value from what he could have if he had a year or two left on his contract. But um, you know, for what he had left on his contract, could they have gotten more? I do think they could have gotten more, but I don't think they could have gotten a first for less than half of a year remaining on a contract. Oh, I absolutely. I mean, uh, Mary Kay Cabot with the Cleveland Plain Dealer reported at the time that the, the Browns were willing to offer a first-round pick. But the, what we do know, as a matter of fact, Jim, is that he called one team and consummated the deal in five minutes? By that very definition, That's he fair. didn't he didn't ascertain what the fair market value would have been. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. The other point is, um, you know, I know that a lot has been made about uh, the coaching staff there at, at, at with the Patriots, and you know, I I get it that not everyone is coming in with uh, uh, you know a, a resume of all this experience and whatnot. But that's the Patriots' M.O. is to, you know, groom their own from within. You know, you mentioned Casario. It's like, oh, you know, the person that came in after Casario didn't have this amount of experience. And, it, and you can go down the list and see other people that, that, that fit that same bill. But Casario was homegrown within the organization such that when he assumed his role – he was. He didn't have the resume either. Patriot way. Right, and Jim, if if this were what's the guy's name that we were being told about, Kaylee? What's his first name? Nick. So, Jim, if this if 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 they had uh, elevated Nick Kaylee to offensive coordinator, I would have more faith in that decision as a homegrown guy who has been on the offensive side of the ball, working with Bill, working with Josh, working with Mac, whatever, to be the guy that was in waiting. The fact that Josh McDaniels was what, you know, uh, a, a, a contractual dispute away or some light, late information from leaving for the Colts two years prior, and then two years later, Josh leaves and you have nobody ready to go, that is a mistake, in my opinion, within the staff. You, you should not have to go elsewhere to get a failed head coach to coach a side of the ball he hasn't coached since college. <laughs> I hear you. All right, Jim. Have a good day, buddy. Bye. Uh, we got to go. I got to take a break because I'm getting yelled at. I'm late here. Sam Monson, pro football focus, will explain his take that Mac Jones will not improve and that he thinks the Patriots are a dumpster fire. The worst defense of the Belichick era. We'll hear his thoughts next. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 